and welcome to episode what? <laughs> That's not how I start this off. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pixelated Sausage Podcast for the week of Friday, April 23rd, 2021. I'm your host, Mark Trishnez, and today we've got a lot of stuff to talk about, including Hitchhiker, a mystery game, Super Meat Boy Forever, Rain on Your Parade, Moon Raider, Buildings Have Feelings 2, Ash Walkers, and of course, some MLB The Show 21, because that came out. I've been excited about it for a long time. I'll probably talk about that at the top of the show, but before I get to all that, this past week, I finally had my really first proper stream. My really, 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 my real first proper stream, and I, for that stream, played through the entirety of Octodad Dadliest Catch, which I was playing for Attack of the Backlog, because that's what I'm going to probably do for the majority of my streams, is just stream whatever I'm playing for Attack the Backlog, unless it doesn't make sense, or if it's me playing with another person who may or may not want to partake in said streaming. So any game I'm playing with my dad, I'm not going to play on the stream. I'm not going to play on the stream. I'm not going to play it on the stream. And a game that he might want to be a backseat gamer with, like The Last of Us Part 2 or Ghost of Tsushima, those I would not play on the stream. But outside of those scenarios, I think I'm just going to stream everything, regardless of whether people are watching or not, because I have still not tweeted out when I'm streaming or made it known anywhere in any of the places I frequent that I am streaming when I'm streaming. I just do it, and if people organically show up, that's fine, which hasn't happened, and I haven't really been streaming much anyway. But I did enjoy the streaming of Octodad. I had a really good time with it, despite the fact that there wasn't an audience constantly engaging with me. But I had a really good time with Octodad. Deadliest catch. And was pleasantly surprised by it, especially since I remember playing it around the time it came out, or maybe years ago when I first started up Attack the Backlog, and not liking it. I was annoyed by it, frustrated by it, and I just said no. No, 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 no. And I also tried I Am Bread, which is similar in vain of these physics-based, purposefully bad controlling meme-making games, and I'm just not a fan of that. I get what you're trying to do, and it's all in good fun, sure, I guess, but I don't accept frustration over fun, (laughs) frustration on top of fun, however they want to put it. However, when I started playing Actual Dad this time and decided I was going to really give it a proper go, because I don't think I gave it a proper go when I first played it, I was surprised by how forgiving it is. It is incredibly forgiving. I didn't know there were difficulty levels, so you can make it more or less forgiving just in terms of how easily it is to spot you as an octopus because that's the main fail state of the game are people noticing you just destroying the environment and stuff. But I had a really, really good time with it. It was like an hour and 45 minutes or so You can still watch the archive on Twitch. I don't know how long it lasts. I think I read that for smaller content creators like me, 
who don't have a large base. They keep it for 14 days or so, but I downloaded it and will upload it to YouTube, the Attack the Backlog YouTube page that will be exclusive for y'all patrons at the $5 tier or above. Oh, exclusive content, which isn't really special exclusive content. It's just sort of like, here, if you want to watch the entire playthrough of one of the games I play for Attack the Backlog, they're there, and I might do that with everything from now on because that's an easy way to create something that's exclusive but in no way is edited or had any work done with it. So, yeah. That was a a good time. And I set up my stream deck with some more things. Added two scenes so that I can switch on the fly between having the default be, of course. The game being the majority of the screen. And then me in the little window below. And then reversing it so that I am full screen. And the gameplay is in the window below. So that for maybe a cutscene I don't care about, or this or that, I can pop myself out and talk with people or talk about what I've experienced in the game up to that point or stuff like that, or any kind of future content that maybe isn't related to Attack the Backlog. So that has been nice as well. I am planning to finally upgrade my mixer in the soon-to-be future, in the near future. Because I've been using a pretty basic, it's okay, it's fine. It is the bare minimum of getting my mic, which is a Shure SM7B, to work. But anyone who knows about these mics know they're very gain-hungry and quiet by default. And you need to give it a lot of gain and power and all that sense to get the most out of them. And what I'm using allows me to use it, as you can tell, but I'm also funneling it all through the cloud lifter, which is a preamp, and that is what actually makes it all possible. But with this new mixer I'm eyeing that is not too expensive, it is still not cheap, but it is in a price range where I'd feel comfortable spending that much on something like that. I would be able to use it without the cloud lifter, but of course I'm still going to use the cloud lifter because that just gives me even more wiggle room. But I can then use additional mics because I have, I think it is sure as well, a broadcast headset that is also pretty gain hungry. So I can use that for having additional hosts in person. And maybe, this is a big maybe, because it's all on him if he'd want to do anything like this. Having every now and again my father participate in something, whether it's just a special episode of this podcast, a once a month show where we talk about movies, games, whatever, sports. You know, he's a big Cubs fan, golf fan, all these things. And that could be a thing because if my friend John remembers, I thought of a great name for a podcast that would be me and my father talking about whatever based on a game that we played for the game club that didn't last long but at least brought me to to the moon but it's a game we played that we were both really excited about because it just looks charming it looks delightful i love the art style i won't ever have any bad words to say about that and it has a dedicated hug button but 
We both did not like a boy and his blob. However, I thought to myself, hey, a boy and his blob, what about a boy and his pops? However, that was before I came out as non-binary, so that doesn't work <laughs> anymore, I'm realizing now. I'm like, oh yeah, I remember really liking the title of that, but I had yet to be willing to put that out there, so it doesn't work. A child and his pops doesn't really roll off the tongue because it's a play off the name of that game and can't play off it anymore. So I just... I just got very sad because I realized I can never use that title anymore. Thank God that never actually happened because what would have happened after I come out about that? So, yeah. All good stuff there. And I'm just waiting for that mixer to come back in stock so that I can get it and see how it works if it does what I hope it does and just gives me more abilities with this microphone and other things on top of that is also portable i can take it out on the go and do recordings there so we'll see we'll see we'll see and then i went to target to do some grocery shopping checked out their clearance items for clothes like you do and i checked out the toy section because i saw online that the bloodhound figure from Apex Legends was on sale for half off. So it was 10 bucks as opposed to its usual price tag of 20 bucks. However, you can't see if a store has one in stock. It just says, and you can't order it online. It just says, maybe it's at your store, but we don't know. And we're not going to tell you. You can just go and find out for yourself. So I went and checked, did not see anything related to Apex at all. So I don't know if I just missed where the Apex stuff was, but I would have assumed it was by the Fortnite stuff and there was nothing there. That said, I went through the Micro Machines area. I meant the Hot Wheels area. I'm so stupid. I forgot Hot Wheels is a thing. And saw, and the reason I did this is because I expected to see what I ended up seeing. I knew at some point they did some Ninja Turtles cars. And I was curious if maybe they still had those cars or maybe they're new cars. And they do have Ninja Turtles, TMNT, Monster Truck, Hot Wheels. They are five bucks a piece. There are five in total. One for each of the four turtles and then one for Krang. Kind of weird that they don't have... It's kind of weird that they don't have one for Splinter or Shredder. I don't know why this is the case because I'm pretty sure the art on the packaging was for the original cartoon. So it's not like it's based off the newest series that maybe doesn't have Shredder in it and maybe doesn't have Splinter. I don't know. But there is no Splinter or Shredder, no April O'Neil, no Casey Jones, no anyone else, no Bebop or Rocksteady, just Krang and the Four Turtles. So that's a little weird. However... I feel like I'm saying however a whole bunch of this episode. But I ended up picking up the Donatello one, of course, because he is my favorite. He's the best turtle. That's one of the few objective statements you can say outside of the mass and the sciences. And then I picked up the Krang one because the Krang one looked pretty cool. I will most likely pick up the other three. I just did not want to spend $25 on Hot 
wheels at one time. I felt icky about it. I will say, though, there were two Donatello's at my store, my local Target, one Michelangelo, one Raph, two or three Krangs, and then like 15 or 20 Leonardo's. So either they just made a shitload of Leo's or nobody wants Leo because we all know deep down that Leo is actually the worst turtle. He's the most boring one. He's the plain one. Leo is the kind of kid your parents want you to be, and Raph is the kind of kid you want to be, or Mikey. Donnie is the kind of kid you probably actually are, which is why a lot of people actually like Donnie. Donnie's fantastic, but they're nice. Uh, I don't think five bucks is too much. They're pretty large, but yeah, that was a unexpected, pleasant surprise going to Target to get a few groceries. And you might be thinking to yourself, who goes to Target for groceries? A lot of people do. You know why I go to Target for groceries? Because they by far have the cheapest eggs. Fun fact, as I'm editing this and wrapping it up to put out there for you all to listen, Target has raised the price on their eggs from 99 cents to a $1.99. That is a 100% increase in price. And it just happened. So, did I jinx it? Is this my fault? Did I ruin everything? I'm sorry. Anywho, back to the show. I like to get a lot of eggs. I eat a lot of egg whites. And since I only eat the egg whites, that means I go through eggs quicker than other people because I'm throwing away that yolk. I don't want any of that yolk. Get away from me. And most places, we like when they're on sale, a regular pack of a dozen large eggs will be like one seventy. Maybe two bucks, maybe one fifty. It seems like these days, but Target all the time, dollar, dollar, dollar. Sometimes it'll be even cheaper. It'll be eighty cents or ninety cents. So I get my eggs at Target, and then they have a few other things I like to get. I like to get fudgicles, the fudge pops, because those are low calorie sweets that are pretty large, just in terms of like a, a popsicle size, and one serving is. One fudgicle, and it's 40 calories per fudgicle, which is not a lot at all as far as a sweet goes. And as far as what you get for what you get, I don't know where I was going with that. And then I get some almond milk there. And I think that's pretty much it. It's really just eggs and fudgicles. But yeah, got me some TMNT. Hot wheels. And then, last but not least, before I finally get on to what I've been playing, you're probably so thankful right now, though you're not even listening to this, you're so thankful that I started putting timestamps into the show because you've been able to skip all of this bullshit. And I'm changing the timestamps because I used to have the beginning and start time, but then I was like, why do I need the end time? Just tell them when a section starts when I first start talking about a game, and then they'll know that it ends when the next one starts going on. But... I have been watching only a few shows, anime-wise, because I'm not doing seasonals. I even stopped watching My Hero because I'm like, no, I don't want to do any seasonals at all. And I've been watching both Naruto and Gintama. I started Naruto subbed because I did not like the dub when I first watched it or tried to watch it years ago. 
and I made it through the first arc before I switched over to dub because I didn't like the show. And I am over halfway through at this point. I don't like the show. A lot of it stems from the fact that I think Naruto is just an incredibly annoying character, regardless of whether it's subbed or dubbed. He is less annoying in the sub, but the reason why he is annoying is more so his personality and just his character than the voice that is coming out of him. What I hate about Naruto is that he is this cocky kid who thinks he's just the bee's knees, that he's the best at everything, that he should be leading the team, that he is just so fucking good at everything when he's actually incompetent and a pile of shit. Does he help his team out a lot in crucial situations when they need him? Sure, but it's not because he has trained to the point where he's able to do all these things and that he's actually just the the best there is. It's because you know how these shows go. When the situation calls for it, he's able to draw power from this or that and pull some amazing move off. But if he was asked to do it on command, he wouldn't be able to do it. It's just when the situation needs it, he's able to pull some crazy shit off. Don't like that. I hate that character trait. It's why I didn't like Slam Dunk with that stupid annoying character who thinks he's fucking everything and he hasn't even played basketball. He doesn't know the rules, but he's like, I'm going to be the best basketball player ever. Shut the fuck up. I hate that kind of person. So I don't like Naruto for that. I also think that it is surprisingly more serious overall than I was expecting, and I don't think it pulls off the serious stuff that well. And when it delves into comedy, I don't think it does that well either. It really made me appreciate Dragon Ball Z even more, despite the fact that I don't think anything post-Frieza is that great, except for small storylines here and there. But overall, I think Dragon Ball Z really drags with the Cell arc and the Majin Buu arc. They both just drag and go on and on. And there's a point in the Majin Buu arc where he is in one of his forms and he's just like watching, I think, Gohan and someone else talking. just like, oh my God, come on, let's just get on with this. And he, in that moment, is saying what everyone is thinking. It's just like, come the fuck on, let's just get this shit over with. But yeah, Gintama on the other hand, is still great. Such a fun show. Super funny. Super ridiculous. I, I, don't, I don't know if there's a funnier show consistently in all of anime. It definitely helps if you are well-versed in the medium and, and will be able to get all the references and stuff like that, even though they are very blatant at some points and just flat-out tell you, oh, this is Dragon Ball or whatever. But, uh, yeah, Gintama is a very, very good show. But that's it of all this bullshit. Let's start to what I've been playing. Get on to what I've been playing. Let's just get on to what I've been playing. Started with MLB The Show 21. So, I've been excited about this game for a very long time. The second it was announced as coming to Xbox, I was losing my mind. I pre-ordered it as soon as I could when it was announced that it was coming to Game Pass. I immediately canceled that pre-order. And now that it's out and available for everyone to play, I put maybe a few hours into it. And it's not clicking with me. Not because the game is bad, but because I just haven't played one of these games in so long that my 
timing is so off, specifically with batting, that I just can't get it right yet. I am swinging early way too much, and then I try to fix it, and then I'm swinging late, and I just can't get into that sweet spot, and it's frustrating. I also understand the reasoning, I guess, but in Road to the Show, where you play as a character and go through your own little career, when you are playing in the infield, or even outfield, I guess it would be, and you are positioned from a behind-the-back perspective, so you see your character from behind the back, I am still not used to the fact that the controls for throwing two bases isn't concerned with your perspective, your orientation. It is just the same as it is by default. So while you will be controlling your character on defense, like if you're shortstop, for example, and you want to throw to first base, first base is on your left, and you want to use the left button then. So you want to use the X button on Xbox to throw to first base because that makes sense based on where you're orientated. That's not how it works. That's still third base because the way it works is that the default setup of having A be home, B is first base, Y second base, X is third base. That's just the way it always is. It doesn't matter if the camera is switched around and that doesn't compute exactly. So that is something I have to get used to. It just is basically me having to get used to the game. That is the 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 crux of this whole thing is that I haven't played an MLB The Show game, a proper MLB game, since the first one for Vita. And because of that, I just have to get used to the way all this stuff works because it's very different. And, and part of it is specific to the career mode. But yeah, it's it's going to take some time. I could maybe change the camera perspective for batting because I'm just using the default one. Maybe there are alternate ones that would make it easier for me to see where the ball is over the plate and when I should be swinging. So I can experiment with that. But it, it seems competent. Seems like a good baseball game. I just haven't put enough time into it to really say either way. Then Hitchhiker, a mystery game, is that you are a guy who is hitchhiking and you are trying to figure out who you are, what has happened. You start remembering this girl who is your girlfriend and trying to figure out what happened to her, where she is, what's going on. And the story takes place over two and a half to three hours over the course of five different scenarios where you are in the car with five different strangers, people you don't know, and things intertwine. They all seem to know you. There's a lot of surreal things going on. And it's interesting. There's a mystery play, as to be expected, with mystery in the title of the game. And I like it to a point. However, it is... I don't want to say it's boring, but there's not a lot to do outside of listening to the conversations being had when you're in the car. You are asked to interact with them and continue conversations by either picking one of two dialogue choices or maybe just one dialogue choice to keep the conversation going. And that will have little 
things for you to figure out. Like there are some puzzles, like a puzzle box you have to open up. There are times where you have to find objects to interact with this. A radio show will be asking you or telling you some riddles that you have to figure out by interacting with whatever object makes sense for that riddle, whether it's a cloud or this or that. And one of the problems is that the environments you're driving through are really repetitive and there's not much reason to look at them. There, there's not much reason to really pay attention to the game outside of what's being told, which makes it feel less like it needs to be a game and more so like it could have just been some kind of audiobook thing. And what really hurts the game is the fact that the ending is so unsatisfying. It is just... It just kind of ends. And I, when I reached the end, I was like, wait, is this it? Is this, is this, is it just going to fade to black now? And then the credits are going to come back? Or is there going to be like a post credits scene or something? Is there going to be more to this? And there wasn't, it just ended. And I'm like, Oh, what exactly was I supposed to get out of this now? I, I don't understand. So I don't think it really earned its ending. It just felt like they weren't quite sure how to end the story. So they just they just decided to end it. <laughs> so that kind of ruined the experience somewhat. I do like the look of it. It has a nice stylized painterly aesthetic. Though there is quite a bit of texture pop in. And the same thing that Raven Sword or whatever that game was had. Which is like this wipe thing going on where the scenery in the background will wipe in depending on where you're looking which is a little distracting but it's 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 okay the ending really does hurt it though the voice acting overall is really good outside of your character you sound like absolute crap and i don't know if it's intentional because there are robots androids whatever in this world and I don't know if they're trying to say that you were one or something by having you sound like a fucking robot. But it's okay. It's okay. But not a game I will ever play again. Just playing through it regularly will give you all the achievements or trophies. And while you can replay individual sections if you want, I see... No reason to do that. I don't know what I would get out of replaying these sections. Of course, you can veer the conversation in different directions. But I, having played through it, have absolutely no desire to do that and fail to see why you would want to do that, what you would get out of that. Unless there was a way in which playing it multiple times would reveal more about the story and change the ending expand upon the ending if that happened that'd be cool but there's no sign that that is the case and i have no desire to replay everything in hopes that that might be the case but that is again hitchhiker a mystery game i played on xbox one got a code for it along with everything i'm about to talk to talk to i'm about to talk about i played on xbox one outside of ash walkers which is a Steam game. But moving on from Hitchhiker, we've got Super Meat Boy Forever. Now, 
I really, really liked Super Meat Boy. I liked it a lot. I played it and beat it and got my nice little Super Meat Boy avatar pet on the 360. And that was my pet for so long until I got a little tiger. And I really, really liked that game. And when Super Meat Boy Forever was announced, seemingly forever ago, I don't know when it was announced. No pun intended with the Forevers either. But it seems like it was announced a very long time ago and that it was supposed to come out a long time ago as well. And then it just kind of disappeared. I'm not sure what the development life was for this game, but it's finally here on Xbox and other platforms, I'm sure. And there was a lot of disappointment, I think, just from the announcement, the fact that this is... So, Super Meat Boy was a... Or is. It's not like it doesn't exist anymore. It's a really precise, challenging platformer. It is one of the games, I think, that coined the term splatformer, where you're going to die a lot as you try to achieve victory as you're trying to get through these levels where there are so many obstacles and traps in your way that are just trying to kill you and the big gimmick of super meat boy was that when you would complete a level you would then see a replay of all your attempts on that level so it would show you all your deaths and it would show you everything at the same time which was really cool it was it was what made the game stand out because (laughs) i went back and i played it after playing some super meat boy forever and I don't like the way it feels anymore. I don't I don't know what it is, but I guess I'm just a changed person. I feel like I'm way more finicky and easily annoyed. But playing it now, I'm like, ugh. This just, in terms of everything, level design, the mechanics, I'd rather play N+, or any of the N games for the mechanics, or... Celeste for the mechanics as well, but also just the the level design. But Super Meat Boy Forever is an endless runner as opposed to being a traditional platformer where you have direct control over your character. In Super Meat Boy Forever, you only control when Meat Boy jumps or slides. And mechanically, it's fine. It works. You have a jump. You press jump again when you're in air, you'll do a dash attack forward, which you can use to take out enemies or just make an extra amount of distance if you need to get past a certain gap that you wouldn't be able to otherwise. And then you can slide on the ground. That first second or two of sliding will also be an attack, so you can hit enemies who are on the ground. And if you are falling down and going to a platform, if you hit down, you will do an angled attack downwards. And that's pretty much it, mechanics-wise. And that's all fine. Works fine. However, the thing that kills Super Meat Boy Forever is that, unlike the first game that had handcrafted levels, Super Meat Boy Forever lives and exists on randomly generated levels. And guess what? Sometimes that works, sometimes that doesn't. This is a case where it 100% doesn't. The randomly generated levels in Super Meat Boy Forever suck ass. They are fucking unbelievably terrible. And it pains me so much because despite going back and not really liking it, I still enjoyed my time with Super Meat Boy. I really like Endless Runners as a genre. I wish we got more of them and great ones because 
I love them. I genuinely love them. It all stems from the early iOS days where you would get so many of them. Cannonball, Run Like Wild or whatever it was. Uh, I can't remember the names of them. There was like Grim Joggers, I think, where you had five or so endless runs at the same time. And it was you trying to at least survive with one of them at the end. And even the forward facing to the behind the back ones like Subway Surfers and Temple Run. I love those games too. I love Endless Runners. They're nice, simple games that you can play without focusing too much on them. They're good brainless games. And I was excited about this because I think it could have worked well. But opting for randomly generated levels as opposed to handcrafted levels means you are at the mercy of whatever the game decides to throw at you and how it decides to put a level together and the way it decides to place checkpoints. And I got to a point on the second level after the first tutorial level where I couldn't progress because the checkpoint put me so close to this hazard that I could not jump in any way that would get me through this gap. I tried over a hundred times and kept dying and I am 100% confident that there was no way to actually do it from that checkpoint. Maybe further back, I could have jumped and done a dash attack to then clear the distance and then fall straight down. Maybe that would have worked. But where the checkpoint started me, I didn't have time to do that. Because if I tried to do a dash attack, I would just run right into this blade. And I probably could have restarted the level completely, but I didn't even think of that. I just immediately went back to the menu, deleted that safe out, created a new seed, and started over. And then I got through the second area and played a few more levels and stopped because I wasn't enjoying my time with the game at all. I think the level design is just absolute shit. It sucks so much and makes it so that no aspect of the game is rewarding. Completing the level isn't rewarding. It's just like, oh, thank God that's over. Now I have to deal with another level. It's going to be even more poorly designed or whatever. And so the, the randomly generated levels just kill the entire game for me. I think there could have been something here with the endless runner aspect, but not taking the time to handcraft levels. And I don't know how long it takes to implement a system that randomly generates levels. I would have rather you just taken that time and created some levels that really take advantage of the mechanics and make them shine and, and make you feel amazing while you're doing it all. That's not what you're going to get with randomly generated levels. It works for some games. I love Rogue Legacy, which is just random dungeons. But that's a different type of thing. It doesn't require pinpoint precision in your actions. And there's a lot more going on in those games. But this is all about making your way through these tight spaces and avoiding dangers. And when you're at the wits of the fucking computer and what it decides to do, it just it doesn't work out. So that is a bummer. By the name of Super Meat Boy Forever. Then, Rain on Your Parade, I got a code for, but it is available on Game Pass, so you can check it out there. Is a cute, simple game in the vein of stuff like Katamari Damacy and Donut County, where you play as a cute little cloud and you're raining on people's parade. So, 
You are thrown into these levels with a handful of objectives, some optional ones, and it's as simple as that. My problem is I played through a dozen or so levels for like 30 minutes or so, and I was pretty bored throughout. I didn't think what I was doing was all that fun or engaging and was pretty bored throughout. For example, there's a school level where you have to make a chemistry set explode. And what you do is there are two barrels, or there might be a third one that you just ignore, but there is this chemistry set on the chalkboard. It shows these two colors and it says, no, 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 no. Don't you mix these together. And then there are two containers in the room with those colors. You go over one and it'll change what your rain is. You pour some of that in the chemistry set. You go over the other one and then you pour that in the chemistry set. Boom, you're done. Super simple. You don't have to really think. You don't have to be creative. And then they wanted me to scare the art kids into another classroom. So all I did was get them wet and then pour down raid behind them until they went through the hallways and got to this other classroom, which is super basic and simple. And the game is just full of stuff like that. Also, I think on that level, I had to wet all the backpacks, rain on all the backpacks, really plain, boring. There's no fail state that I could see. And for the most part, I found what I was doing to be really boring, as I've already said multiple times. Outside of when fire is involved, because then you will suck up oil and then start spreading that and watching the fire spread around is fun because then you will see it start to interact with the environment in its own ways and start to spread organically. So that is more interesting, but there wasn't enough of that. It was really just, okay, rain on some shit. And that was fun for like 15 minutes but 30 minutes and i was done with it i I had enough of it it's fine it's it's worth checking out if you have xbox and game pass because it is free then to try out but it just wasn't doing much for me then moon raider is this peculiar game that feels like a metroid game but it's really just a level-based platformer it's got pixel art pretty nice pixel art and you early on get one new mechanic and that's all you ever get as far as i can tell it makes it seem like you're going to be getting these new mechanics and it seems very metroidish because you have these like doors that you can go through that feel just like the doors in metroid the big old glass whatever doors that you shoot and they open up and you are this girl who is trying to find the cure for her mother, whatever. Your mother's sick and you're trying to find a way to heal her. And you're just going from level to level. But instead of it taking you out or putting you into a menu that just says, you want to go to the next level? It just continues seamlessly. And it it's a weird... I, it, it's a weird game to talk about in that sense just because it makes me feel like it's supposed to be some game that it's not. And that's my fault, really, for expecting that from it when it's not trying to be that. I don't think it's trying to be that. I mean, it's not that. So if it's trying to be that, it's really bad to try to be that. 
But it's just weird to have this game feel structurally like it's supposed to be a Metroid game where you're going to get new abilities all the time. Because when you get the first ability, which is this dashing ability that allows you to dash across long stretches or dash upward, depending on how much fuel you have, this fuel that's based on jewels you find in the environment. It's just, it's so weird because I, maybe about 15 minutes into it, I was like, okay, I'm pretty sure I missed something because I didn't realize there was a plug there I could have pulled out and save this thing to have gotten myself this upgrade, but I'll be able to go back, right? Because this is going to be a Metroid game. And then I tried to open up a map like a Metroid Castlevania game has, and there was no option. And I was like, oh, will I unlock one at some point? Is that what I'm waiting for? Because this is this has got to be a Metroidvania game, right? And then I just kept going forward, and I got to a point where I'm like, this is not a Metroidvania, is this? This is just a level-based platformer that really, really feels and looks and plays like it's supposed to be one. But it's fine. You have your levels. You get through them. There will be enemies that you can take out. The jumping feels okay. The only weirdness is that you will have walls that will angle inward and then continue going up. And at those angles, if you jump and fall onto them, you will continue to spin in air like there is an invisible force field there that is propelling you up and not on the surface for maybe a few seconds. It's just this weird disconnect that makes it a bit jarring when you're jumping around if you're if you're doing a lot of things. But other than that, it, it feels pretty good. You can shoot up, down, left, right. I think you can shoot down. Maybe you can't shoot down. I can't think of a scenario where you'd want to shoot down. So maybe you can't shoot down. You will find these little creatures that you can save and they'll give you health upgrades and stuff like that. There are secrets scattered throughout the environment. It's just a weird game because it's a level-based platformer that really looks like it's supposed to be a Metroidvania, and it's not. And it's hard for me to come to terms with that because I I like the way the game feels. I like the dashing mechanic and all that. The boss fights are okay. You get a boss fight every eight or so levels or something, and they're fine. They they do a good job of messing around with the environment and making you use your very few tools that you have at play. But there's just this part of me, it's like, I wish this was something else. And that's on me. It's not on Moon Raider. Moon Raider is a solid game. Worth checking out. I believe it's 10 bucks, but currently on sale still at the point of this recording, at least for $8. Then, Buildings Have Feelings 2 is a, not city building sim, but a block building sim, where you, instead of just controlling the cursor being this off-screen entity, you are a building with little arms and little legs, and it's very cute. The art style is super delightful, and it's got a lot of charm. It is incredibly talky early on, and you can talk with the buildings after the fact. The problem with the game, though, is that it is incredibly tedious and clunky to deal with anything. And it's because you are this building. 
it's cute in concept, I guess. But when you want to interact with the block and you want to put things together, it's really tedious to have to walk to whatever position you want to get to and then align yourself in the way so that if you want to upgrade this building, you have to make sure it's highlighted and not a different building. And if you want to move things around, you have to make sure that you're in the right position. And it just makes the whole process of doing any kind of work on these blocks incredibly tedious. And I don't think the game does a great job of telling you what you have to do all of the time. It's just, it's just too damn tedious. Tedious, tedious, tedious. It's too tedious for its own good. And it just failed to grab me. I, I wanted to like it so much. It seemed like it would be a game for me. But the whole controlling the, the building didn't lend itself to actually managing the blocks. It just made it a pain in the ass. And I didn't, I did not want to deal with it after an hour or so. I was just so sick of it and wanted to just be able to move an on-screen cursor. And I imagine playing this with a mouse and keyboard would be even more annoying and frustrating. So that's disappointing unless they have proper controls, but why would they? The whole point is that you are a building and it has feelings too. And I'm sorry, buildings. I know you have feelings, but I, I can't deal with you. And in case you're wondering, it's like any other type of game in the sense, but you just have the buildings talking to you. It's the same thing where like a residential area, an apartment building does not want to be next to a bunch of factories that are creating pollution and smog and all this stuff. That'll make them sad. So you want to move them away so that they'll be happy and put them near grocers and stuff that will increase their stats so that you can upgrade them and blah, 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 blah. So it's very traditional in that sense. It just is super tedious to mess around with any of the systems in the game because you're doing it as this building, as this on-screen controllable building. Then last but not least is Ash Walkers, which is a survival game where you take control of a group of four characters. You can't customize them in the sense that you can't change who they are or anything like that. So it's not Oregon Trail in that sense, which was a little disappointing. I was hoping I was going to at least be able to change their names so that if something happened to someone, I could be like, oh my God, my father just died. And I could get really sad in that sense. But the game itself has a desaturated art style so it's all black and white but very bright and desaturated you don't really see a lot of dark deep tones it's it's much more on the white and light gray side and you're really just pushing forward the whole time you will come across branching paths every now and again that'll ask you do you want to go down this route where you might find extra goods, but there are more dangers there. Or there's this route that you don't know what's going here, but it's more wide open and you'll be more able to avoid danger if you go this route. But outside of that, it's pretty much just constantly moving forward, collecting resources like wood for fires, medicine for healing your characters, food for eating, and so on. And you'll come across during your travels groups of wolves that you have 
a few options in, in how you can deal with them. You can try and scare them by making a bunch of noise. You can create a fire to scare them away. You can just try and attack them. You can try to be sneaky. And what you choose, you'll see the outcome based on, I guess, like a random number generator thing going on. And you'll come across other survivors as well. And you can handle those situations in various ways. You can be aggressive. You can be peaceful. You can be avoidful. <laughs> And the thing about the game, though, is that I played it for a half hour, maybe an hour, and it just felt very shallow. It never seemed like it was going to increase in depth and what you could actually do because you're just really concerned with your character's energy, so their ability to collect resources and stuff like that, their hunger, their warmth, and their happiness i guess and it seems like the game also likes to just constantly throw in random encounters or random things happening where these characters get sad because you created camp and then they found a book and the book had this diary and it made this person sad i'm like great wonderful so it it seems like it is constantly just wanting you to be miserable and it doesn't really work and part of it is because it just feels so shallow Maybe it opens up at some point. Maybe it gets more interesting later on. But my early impressions of it are not great. And it doesn't really give me much desire to keep playing. I'll probably give it another hour or so to see if things pick up and and the formula changes. But at least early on, it hasn't done much to grab me and make me want to keep playing. Yeah, that is Ash Walkers, and that is on Steam, Steam only. And I don't even think it has controller support, so it's just strictly mouse and keyboard game. Because all you're doing control-wise is using your mouse to click where you have to go. I don't even think you'd use the keyboard for anything. So you're just clicking and telling your group where to go and using the right click to change between one of your four characters if one doesn't have any energy to pick up stuff. And that's it. So, yeah, that is, again, Ash Walkers on Steam. But, uh, yeah, that will do it for this episode of the Pixelated Sausage Podcast. Once again, I am Marcus Nez. Y'all can find me on Twitter and pretty much everywhere at PX Sausage. The site is, of course, pixelatedsausage.com, where you can find this podcast and Attack the Backlog, both of which are available on podcast services across the globe. You can also check out the videos I make over at youtube.com slash pixelatedsausage. If you haven't already subscribed, please do so and check out the videos there. I am really proud of what I put out there, and I hope if you have checked them out, you have been enjoying the stuff there. And if you haven't, if you do choose to watch them, I hope you enjoy them because I have a lot of fun putting together specifically Attack the Backlog and maybe in the future other things as well. And again, if you'd like to check out my streams, I'm over at twitch.tv slash pxsausage so you can follow me there and maybe I'll be live when you're on there and you'll be like, oh, Mark's live. Let's see what their dumbass is playing. I don't know what's going to be next because I went through Vanquish. I went through Octodad. I think maybe next will be Crash Bandicoot, the first one, but the remake of it, because I never played any of those games. Maybe I'll do both versions, because I don't <sighs> I don't know if I have the original on PS1. I'll have to check. But yeah. And at some point, I'm going to stream Downhill Domination, just as a let's have a good time. Let's have a good time with Downhill Domination. 
But that is again twitch.tv slash px sausage. I think I'm going to end up creating another big backlog of scripts to record before creating videos because I would like to wait until I get that new mixer to do any audio stuff that I don't have to do. So we'll see about all of that. But uh, yeah, youtube.com slash pixelated sausage. If you'd like to check out the art I make, you can go back to the site pixelatedsausage.com. And if you see something you like, you can purchase a print of the piece you fancy. And if you fancy the site in general and anything that we do, please go over to patreon.com slash pxs and support us that way. As always, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy this here episode and I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day. Bye.